whether or not you're doing this as a brandy new side hustle, right? Like you're just starting out in business. This is something that you just want to make, you know, maybe a couple hundred dollars a month or a couple thousand dollars a month, right? Or you're a seasoned business and maybe you're having five or six figure months. The most important first step to getting everything organized, and this is not a hard one, get a business bank account, okay? And in that business bank account, the only money that goes into it is money from the sale of your product. And the only money that comes out of it is for expenses in the business. What's up, babe? Welcome to Boldly Courageous, a podcast created for you, the ambitious woman who is ready to take action and step fully into the life you've always dreamed of. I'm your host, Melissa Martin, and each week I will be your virtual wingwoman as you gain the tools and confidence to face your fears head on. The time is now, and this is your permission slip to live your boldly courageous life. Are you ready, babe? Let's do this. Welcome back to the Boldly Courageous podcast. And if you are an entrepreneur or a network marketer, somebody that is building some sort of business, you're going to want to come back to this episode time and time again. This is probably one of the most important episodes you'll ever listen to when it comes to shifting your mindset from being an amateur entrepreneur to being a real entrepreneur. And my guest today is Mike King, and he is an outsourced CFO to over 300 entrepreneurs. So his zone of genius, his magic is helping you understand your numbers, the financials behind your business, and how to truly make decisions from a perspective of being a true entrepreneur and knowing your numbers and how every single decision you make in your business will affect your bottom line. And I know for me, I mean, I took pages of notes with this episode and every time I have a conversation with Mike, I learn something new. And what's so great about him, which you will see is he takes things that are super complex and sometimes triggering when it comes to money and he makes it so simple and so easy. So in this episode, we talk about, you know, the, the fundamental numbers, the four numbers you must know in your business. And Mike says that once you know your numbers, you truly transition from amateur to entrepreneur. Mike talks about how to get set up for organization. Do you need a tax ID number? What type, what type of business accounts to get set up? Whether or not you need an LLC? What types of tools you can use to organize those numbers? And how you can actually start building your financial team. So the different components of who's on your team. Like, do you need a bookkeeper or a CPA or a tax preparer? Do you need to hire a CFO? Where do you need to be in your business in order to do those different things? So in this episode, you're going to learn so much about how to manage your numbers. And then most importantly, we really dive into taxes, like what you need to be thinking about for taxes, how to prepare for taxes, um, so that you are not surprised when spring comes around April 15th and you have this huge tax bill. So how you can be a little bit more forward thinking with your numbers. And like I said, I took pages of notes. You're gonna to wanna to grab a notebook and pen and dive into this with me. Michael King is a lifelong learner, a military veteran and a servant leader dedicated to helping you achieve success in business. In 2010, after serving 11 years in the US Navy, thank you, 
Michael ventured into the business world. He was quickly overwhelmed by all the fancy finance and accounting jargon, and it seemed like no one could explain it to him in, quote, regular people words. <laughs> Michael made it his mission to crack the code of finance and accounting. After 10 years, an MBA, and the experience of working with over 200 businesses, Michael has dedicated himself to helping other business owners, especially those that are not numbers people, hi, that's me, understand their numbers so that they can make better decisions in business. I hope you love this episode as much as I do. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. I'm so excited and grateful to have you here. And what I love about you is that you, first of all, you love what you do. Like, it's so clear that you are such a advocate of knowing your numbers and financials, but like you make it so fun. And I know for a lot of people like money and taxes and understanding your numbers feels like icky. Like I break out in hives, but you always make me feel so smart and I appreciate that. So thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's a, a privilege and an honor to be here. And you're absolutely right. I do love this kind of stuff. This is uh, what I like to tell people, Melissa, is almost half, a little over half of small businesses in the United States in the United States fail in the first five years. And when you dig in, you find that it's not because they're making a bad product or a bad service. They're actually failing because of bad financial decisions. And so it truly is a passion of mine to help entrepreneurs understand their numbers so that they can make better decisions and keep those businesses up and running and thriving and hiring more people and helping the economy. That's why I get out of bed every day and I absolutely love it. Yes, this is why we connect on so many levels, right? So I gotta know, first question I ask everybody is what is one boldly courageous thing you've done recently? So this this will probably sound a little bit trivial to, to you especially and some of the other people. I am absolutely terrified of recording video of myself and putting it on social media. And so literally yesterday, like for almost a week now, I've been thousand different takes recording a stupid Instagram story. And I finally got one yesterday and posted it. And I, I that made me really feel, you know, bold and courageous because it's terrifying for me. So I just have a little win and it was, I posted an Instagram story video yesterday. So uh, I'm here to celebrate that. That's a big <laughs> celebration. And I, I can relate to that. I, I mean, I know what it's like. Everyone starts at the beginning, right? So whether it's peeling back the layers and looking at the numbers, right? A lot of people have fear around looking at their financials or, you know, putting yourself on video and putting yourself out there. It feels the same. It feels super vulnerable. It feels like you're exposing yourself to the world. And so just by you sharing that experience, I think other people who might feel the same about going to a tax preparer or a financial planner and saying, I need help and like feeling vulnerable. It's probably a similar feeling, right? So absolutely. It's, it's vulnerable. It's vulnerability, right? And it's, uh, you know, you kind of feel for lack of better words, naked uh, in both of those situations and open to judgment. You know, you're kind of putting yourself out there for somebody to see the, the good and the bad. So I, I think mm. that's a great analogy. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to go watch your video. I'm totally going to share it with my audience because I know oh, it's, it's almost amazing. over. <laughs> I think it expires here soon. So oh, no. Okay. All right. So you mentioned something earlier about half of small businesses fail within the first five years due to bad financial decisions. And I want to talk about this because a, a realization that I've had that you've actually helped me with a lot is 
this idea of building net worth, right? So it's not enough to say I made a million dollars this year. Like, I think we see this a lot on social media or people like, oh, I hit six figures in my business or I made a million dollars this year. And that's cool. And that's great. But if it took you, you know, 1.5 million to make that 1 million, you're really not actually, you don't really have a successful business, right? So can you talk about the difference between just making money and actually generating net worth and why that matters? Sure. I think that uh, we'll continue the Instagram analogy, right? It's, uh, you know, re revenue is not a whole lot different than talking about Instagram followers, right? Okay. If I've got 2 million Instagram followers, I don't, I think I have like a thousand <laughs> or something, right? But, you know, we, we talk about how big is your Instagram following? Well, it's 2 million. Well, if you're not generating any sales off of that 2 million Instagram followers, then, then who cares? And financials are kind of similar, right? If you're not generating any profit off of your million dollars in sales, then you really don't have a business, right? You, you have something that's bleeding money. And so I think it's real easy to get caught up in that vanity metric of, of revenue when really what we should be talking about is how profitable is your business? One of my favorite sayings is revenue is vanity, Profit is sanity, but cash is king. Okay, so the revenue is the vanity metric, the profit being sanity, it kind of tells us how healthy is our business, how efficient is our business machine, right, in, in generating a profit. But like we said, you know, cash is king. And, and I'll do a quick soapbox here. A lot of times people, especially earlier stage entrepreneurs, will kind of confuse the concept of profitability and cash. Right. And they're two very, very different things. And so it's important to be aware of, of both of those individually and how healthy you are in both of those areas. I love this. And, and um, yeah, so this was something that you really helped me understand in terms of how I make decisions financially, like when it comes to my personal life, my professional life of like what real net worth is and how if I make this financial investment, is it going to get me closer to positive net worth or is it going to put me further in debt and like how can I use my cash to create more leverage and whatnot but part of that is really understanding your numbers and being organized and understanding your financials so before you can even know if your business is healthy what are some of the things that you need to do to get prepared to know if your business is healthy great question great question I'll start that response with another cute little saying that I like uh, the, the, and it's kind of true, you know, I'm an outsourced CFO and we've worked with a little over 300 entrepreneurs now, right? Wow. As an outsourced CFO or a coach, right? So we've, we've been doing this 10 days from today will be our five year anniversary. So we've been doing this for a minute. You know, I think that there's a lot of truth to the saying, and that's the, the transition from an amateur to an entrepreneur begins with knowing your numbers. Oh, okay. say that again. The transition. And this is me, right? I didn't so rip this good. off. Somebody else. So good. I, this was like an aha moment for me. Put that on a quote tile. Sorry. I should put it on a quote tile. I'll do that right after this. That's a great <laughs> point. So if you're listening to this, go look for my post and and uh, and like it. Okay. You'll, you'll be one of eight people that see it. No. The transition from amateur to entrepreneur begins with knowing your numbers, right? Because we don't know if we really even have a business if we don't understand what the financial health of the business looks like. We if we don't understand if it's generating a profit and how much profit is it generating and why is it generating that profit so we can duplicate the things that are working and stop doing the things that aren't working, right? You're not truly an entrepreneur. You're not a CEO until you can answer those kinds of questions. But the reality is 
most people, I think, Melissa, from all these entrepreneurs I've worked with, especially creatives, right? This really resonates with creatives. They don't like the they don't like getting into the numbers, right? It's not a thing that that naturally resonates with them. And I think one of the big reasons for that, Melissa, is because of overwhelm. You know, if yeah. if you yeah, right? If you've got QuickBooks as an example or zero or whatever you use, you log in there, there's literally hundreds and thousands of numbers and dozens of reports. And where do you even start? Okay. And I think that again, I've done this for, for a while now. You can really narrow down what you're looking at to just four numbers, right? Let your bookkeeper, accountant, CPA, tax preparer worry about the rest. They're important. But you as an entrepreneur just need to truly understand four of those. So if you're listening to this, get a pen and paper, write this down. You've got to understand your revenue, right? That's the easy one. We've been talking about that here for the last 10 minutes. You've got to understand what your revenues are. The second number you need to understand is your gross profit. All right, so I like to use the example, like we're in the business of selling Sharpie markers. So if I sell a Sharpie marker for $2, that's $2 in revenue. If I paid a dollar to buy that Sharpie marker from you know, Alibaba in China, that's my cost of goods sold. When I take revenue and subtract cost of goods sold, I'm left with gross profit, okay? Now we all know that there's other expenses other than cost of goods sold that go into running a business. We've got our rent and utilities and Facebook ads and our social media managers and Canva subscriptions and all the things we call that overhead. Okay. So we subtract our overhead from our gross profit and we're left with the third of those numbers that you need to know. And that's your net profit. Okay. So we have revenue, which is sales. We have gross profit and now we have net profit. And then as you might guess, based on my earlier rant, the fourth and final and most important number is cash. And what I've found, Melissa, is the entrepreneurs that truly understand how every decision they make in business, every decision they make in business impacts each of those four numbers. They are on average more successful and more profitable and have longer lasting businesses, so right? Nice. So my, my, I would encourage everyone listening to this. If you don't know those four numbers for your business, Take a breath, get, get bold and courageous and go into your QuickBooks or your zero or your bench and look for those four numbers and start to trend those over time and say, what causes my gross profitability to go up or down? What's causing my net profitability to go up or down? And start to think about that when you're making spending decisions. Mm -hmm. I want to go do this. I want to go hire an assistant. Well, how is that going to impact revenue, your gross profit, your net profit, and your cash? That will serve you so well as an entrepreneur for the rest of your time that you're in business. So good. I have so many questions right now. Ask and away. I'm sure I'm sure the people listening are going, oh my gosh, like how do I even like where do I start with all this? So you mentioned QuickBooks, right? So let's yep. just say, because there's, you know, I have a lot of new entrepreneurs, people that are building side hustles, they still work full time, right? And they really yeah. want to, and I know for me too, this was me, like. I just know how to make money. But when it comes to like how to allocate it properly or how to even navigate or manage it, like I'm using a spreadsheet, I'm keeping right. stuff in my mind, right? I'm so unorganized with stuff. And then like the end of the year comes and I'm spending five days going through all my bank statements and allocating everything to give to my accountant. And that's just messy and a terrible way to do things. And I'm working on that. So thank you for that, Mike. Okay, so I understand like, I gotta know my revenue. I gotta know yep. my gross profit. And in order to get that number, I take my cost of goods sold and I subtract it from my revenue. So that might be like, you know, um, the cost of my products if I'm in network marketing and I'm gonna go, yep. you know, sample it out or like the cost of a t-shirt 
you know, for me to buy it at wholesale and then sell it at retail. But how do I, how do I even know what these numbers are? Like, how do I get organized? What tools should I use? Do I need to have a business account? Can I use a personal account? Fill me in on all that. I think if, if whether or not you're doing this is a brandy new side hustle, right? Like you're just starting out in business. This is something that you just want to make, you know, maybe a couple hundred uh, dollars a month or a couple thousand dollars a month. Right. Or you're a seasoned business and maybe you're having five or six figure months. The most important first step to getting everything organized. And this is not a hard one. Get a business bank account. Okay. And in that business bank account, the only money that goes into it is money from the sale of your product. And the only money that comes out of it is for expenses in the business. Okay. That to me is like the biggest first step that you can take. And it's absolutely the most essential if you want to keep everything organized, Melissa, so that you're not doing the like CPA shuffle in April and like <laughs> trying to you know run around and figure everything out. If you can just get into the habit of having that business bank account and only using it for business purposes, that is like 80% of the battle in keeping all of your stuff organized. Okay. Let me ask you a question on that. So what if, you know, I'm thinking back to my network marketing days, right? Everything was tied to my social security number and it just came right into a personal account. Everything was just commingled, right? So for the person that maybe hasn't yet set up an LLC, can they do a DBA or doing business as, as a business account? Like, will banks allow you to open a business account with your social security number without having like a tax ID or an LLC? Can you just do a DBA account? So the answer is no however however you don't have to have an llc set up but you do have to have that tax id number or what we call a federal ein a federal ein is something that you get from the irs and it sounds a little bit scary but really all it is is kind of like a social security number for your business and so you can you can do that if you're a dba or just a sole proprietor right you don't have to have an llc but you'll just Google, you know, uh, IRS FEIN. It's a free service. And so I always like to tell people if you click on a link and at any point they're asking you for a debit card or, or payment information, you're at the wrong place. Okay. It's just through the IRS. It takes about five minutes to fill it out and you get a, your, your federal EIN instantaneously, right? After you fill out the form. Quick pro tip make sure you save that PDF that, that they send you and you get it because they can't email it to you again. The only way to get it, if you need, and you will need it again one day, is you have to call the IRS, wait on hold for gosh knows how long, and then they mail it to you, okay? Save the PDF and print the PDF out, <laughs> right? I've So many clients are like, oh, how do I get this? And it becomes a whole debacle. So um, pro tip, if you forget it one day, uh, you have no reason, it's, it's on you. But anyway, you get that federal EIN, and with that, you can then go to a business and set up a business bank account. The two banks that I have found to be the most seamless for any size business is Chase, right? Everybody's got a Chase around them, right? Chase is super easy. Plan on being there for an hour because it's it's an old school bank, all right? Believe it or not, that's the easiest I've seen. The other one that I really love that I've I've switched over to and I'm putting a lot of my clients on is Relay Financial. It's all online. 
and it's super, super easy. There's no fees, there's no minimum uh, balances, and you can create debit cards virtually instantaneously, or they can mail you debit cards. But Relay Financial, uh, huge, huge uh, shout out for them. They just make life easy. So yeah, you wanna get that business bank account. And so what do you do from there, right? Is normally, okay, I've got a business bank account. What do I do from there? If you're a earlier stage entrepreneur, you're just starting out, there's not a ton of money going in and out of there. Guess what? You don't really need QuickBooks, okay? Because when you look at your bank statement, that kind of becomes your little like miniature profit and loss statement, right? How much money came into the business this month? Well, the bank statement shows you that. How much money came out of the business each month? Well, it shows you that. And you know, when we have revenue minus expenses, that sounds a whole lot like profit, right? So we have a little profit and loss statement there. Uh, for those of you that don't hate spreadsheets, right? A basic Google Sheet or Excel spreadsheet is probably the next step for you. And that's something that you can kind of create on your own, right? Where you're just kind of categorizing, you know, maybe you've only got 10 or 20 total transactions a month and you can just kind of categorize them on your little spreadsheet that shows, okay, this was a marketing expense or this was a travel expense. And you can kind of track those things, but in, in that's more than enough for a small business to track your revenue, your gross profit, your net profit and your cash. Now, once you get to the point, Melissa, that maybe you're doing, I'll make up a number, like maybe you got $10,000 a month in revenue or thereabouts, and you've got a couple dozen or so or more transactions, it, it becomes a little bit too tedious to track in a spreadsheet. You know, finding one of those like uh, QuickBooks starter programs, uh, I think those are like $12 a month, that'll work great for you until you start getting up into the multiple five-figure ranges. Uh, but again, it's like 12 bucks a month. So yeah. a lot of options for free, a lot of options for like 10, 12 or $20 a month, just depending on your comfortability to do those things. And on those starter packages, the QuickBooks, honestly, even for those of you creatives that get like anxiety over numbers, <laughs> it's, it's honestly not hard. Like you can learn that in about an hour, right? And just kind of watching some basic how-to videos. It's not something that you necessarily need a bookkeeper or an accountant right. to manage for you. But yeah, that'll serve you well. Get that EIN, get the business bank accounts, and then figure out like what works best for you to keep track of those numbers, whether it's just looking at the bank statement, a spreadsheet, or QuickBooks, and that'll serve you really, really well. I love this. So I love those very simple three steps, EIN, business bank account, and then some sort of organizational software, whether it's a Google, Google Sheet or QuickBooks, and that's going to help you find clarity on those four numbers that you need to know your revenue, your gross profit, your net profit, and cash. Nailed okay. it. So now that we're there, now how do we start thinking about business decisions, our financials? More importantly, like how do we start thinking about taxes? Because everyone's thinking about that right now. And I know for me, like I see money come in, I'm like, I'm rich bitch. And then I'm like, I'm not rich because I owe money to the IRS. Damn it. So how do we prepare for taxes? Well, as a, as an, as a sole proprietor or a, um, an LLC that does not have an S corp election. Okay. If you have an S corp election, you know, if you don't know if you have an S corp election, odds are you probably don't. So just start with that kind of rule of thumb. But if you're a sole proprietor or a DBA or an LLC, what I like to tell people is, you're going to want to take roughly, uh, this is going to sting a little bit, but you're going to want to roughly set aside like 30 to 33% of your profit every month for taxes. 
when you say profit, now you're not talking revenue, that's not top line. So like, let's Correct. say I do a launch this month and I make $10,000. Then I need to figure out for that month, what my cost of goods sold was, that's my gross profit. Then mm -hmm. what, what are my monthly overhead expenses? And then mm -hmm. my net profit. So let's just say I do a $10,000 launch this month. And after I subtract out cost of goods sold and my monthly overhead, I'm left with $4,000. Right. Could you pick say, nine thousand dollars? Can you pick nine thousand dollars okay, instead? Okay, I'll say I have a ten thousand dollar launch, and then my net profit ends up being nine thousand dollars. Now, of the reason that, for that because thirty three percent of nine thousand is so, <laughs> so easy. easy. I don't have to get out of calculator. <laughs> or we okay. could have done three thousand yeah. dollars. That might be more likely. But yeah, yeah so you're gonna so, take that net profit number, and you're gonna say what's a, a roughly a third of that. And, you know, so of $9,000, you're looking at 3000 or, you know, if it was 3000, you'd look at a thousand, but you're just going to take a third of that number. Okay. And what I suggest, like just super best practice, create a savings account that is just earmarked for taxes and put that money right in there. Right. So it's like out of sight, out of mind. You're not inclined to touch it. Just take that 33% and put it of, of your net profit and put it right into a savings account so that it's ready to go when your CPA gives you that big bill at the end of the year, mm -hmm. uh, you've, you've got it earmarked. Something exactly. I think that's really important for people to understand that a lot of particularly earlier stage entrepreneurs don't realize is you're not taxed on your revenue, okay? You're, at, you're taxed on your net profit. So when you have to pay taxes at the end of the year, it's off of that net profit that your business generates. Yeah. And so we wanna be thinking about taxes in terms of what is our net profitability and then just socking away you know, money based off of that. Okay, now here's what where my brain's going, right? So like most entrepreneurs, I don't have consistent revenue months. Like some months will be 50 or 60,000 and then some months will be 2,000 or 3,000. Okay. So when it comes to this process, let's say I have a $50,000 month, right? Okay, Obviously. okay not regularly. Let's say I only have, you know, I do two, let's say I do two really big launches a year. And okay. in between those launches, my monthly revenue is much lower. So let's say I did a $50,000 launch this month. And, you know, my next couple of months, it's two or $3,000 a month. And then I have another big $50,000 revenue month. Now, okay. obviously my net profit on that month is going to be much higher, but mm -hmm. if you spread it out, it's actually, like if I were to take that 50K and spread it over six months, my net profit would be a lot less because I have overhead expenses. So how do you manage that way? Like if I have inconsistent revenue months, how do I figure out what percentage of net profit to put in a savings account? Does that make sense? It does. And the okay. answer is it doesn't matter. Okay. Let me explain. Okay. Okay. Because all the IRS cares about is what your net profit is at the end of the year, right? In aggregate for the whole year. Right. And so if you take 33% of that net profit on the big $60,000 launch, and then your profit the next month maybe is $300, right? Take 33% of that $300, right? And, be, and so that way, over the course of the year, you're still going to have taken 33% of all of your net profit. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, I guess I was just thinking more along the lines of, um, you know, if I would have like how to plan for for expenses, right? So in my mind, I think, okay, this $50,000 is going to last me until the next launch. So what would mm -hmm. I, the way I would think about it is I would look at what are my cost of goods sold? What is my um, overhead over the next six months? 
take that off the 50k there's my net profit and then i would that's how i would do it in my head that, but i guess it doesn't really totally, matter right yeah it doesn't and that's okay. a, that's a great way to do it too there's no wrong answer right okay. i think the most important thing that i would want everyone listening to to think about or yeah. to take away from this is i mean there's a dozen different ways to slice this the most important thing is that you're doing something yes right and even if it's not a hundred percent correct as long as you're deliberately taking some percentage of your money and putting it away for taxes you're going to be in an infinitely better place <laughs> than if you just cross your fingers and close your eyes and wait until april and see what the tax man comes at you at so if yeah. you want to like kind of in, in kind of what you're talking about there melissa is, is more of like a, a forecast or a projection yes. yeah. right if you want to do some forecasting and projections to figure out like what's my revenue going to be over the next six months and what are my expenses going to be over the next six months and plan that out that's definitely super smart that's a little bit next level you know uh so there's nothing wrong with that and that, that is probably a better practice but if you're just getting started and this is all overwhelming if you just say hey i'm going to take 33 percent every month and stick it aside you're not going to be in a bad place later yeah but you have to know what your overhead costs are right so you, you got to know your numbers right okay. you got to know your expenses so now okay so we know how to get set up with our ea and our business account our quickbooks we know the four numbers we're getting set up for taxes. We have our business account, we have a savings account, but who do we go to for questions, right? Because there's so many different types of practitioners out there. There's bookkeepers, there's CFOs, there's financial planners, there's coaches. So how do I, as a business owner, know like who to hire in my business to help me make sure that number one, my like numbers are accurate, my business is healthy, I'm working towards my goals, I'm prepared for taxes, but also maybe I want to do some of that forecasting. So who, like, who do I need on my team to do all that? Sure. Good question. Uh, before I dive into the specifics, I will give you another, like Michael Ward of wisdom. Quotable. What, who it's, I don't think it's going to be quotable. I think it's going to be a little bit too many words to be a quote, but I'll see what I can do. Um, the number one thing, regardless of if you're looking for a bookkeeper, accountant, tax preparer, CFO, the number one thing that you want to look for is a common denominator amongst all of them is somebody that has the heart of a teacher. Okay. Mm -hmm. You want to find somebody that you feel comfortable is going to have the patience and the understanding to be able to explain things to you on your level. Mm -hmm. Someone that's willing to break it down, explain it five different ways if that's what you need so that you understand what's going on with your money. Our small businesses are the lifeblood of our, our families and our homes. And I think it's so important that we feel confident and comfortable with what we're being told about our money that you just, I can't impress upon you enough like how important it is. Don't just go to someone that wants you to hand them your financial reports and they're gonna come back to you in two weeks and say, this is what you owe. Find someone that you feel good asking, like, why do I owe that? What other things can I do next year to save more money? How does this work? What can I do to prevent this from happening again? How can I save even more money, right? Someone that's gonna take that time and not get frustrated with you and not talk over your head and make you feel dumb. It's too important, mm. okay? So that's my first like public service yeah. announcement is find somebody with the heart of a teacher. But to your point now, back to your question, there are so many different I mean, there's bookkeepers and accountants and coaches and CFOs and controllers. There's all these different people. So let me break down what each of those things kind of are and what they do for you and what they don't do for you. Okay. So we'll start with a bookkeeper. A bookkeeper can be a huge blessing 
or a big curse, okay? <laughs> the, the reason for that is the barrier to entry to becoming a bookkeeper is raising your hand and saying, I'm a bookkeeper, right? There's not any kind of formal training required. There's not necessarily any like certifications, right? Anyone can just raise their hand and say they're a bookkeeper. And so what I want you to do if you're out shopping for a bookkeeper is look for somebody that already has some experience and preferably somebody that refers you to a, that bookkeeper from a CPA. And I'll tell you what a CPA is later or a tax preparer. Okay. Because the books that the, like the record keeping that bookkeepers do that gets handed off to the tax preparer. And so if they're a dumpster fire, the tax preparer is going to be like, I don't want to work. These people are doing a horrible job. So if you find a tax preparer or a CPA that says, Hey, this bookkeeper is awesome. That is a great place to start. So a bookkeeper does, um, kind of that, like the, the, the very, very deep tactical work of your, your books and your finances, right? They're the ones that are looking at your bank feed or your bank statements and saying, okay, this was a revenue. This was a cost of goods. This was a travel expense. This was a marketing expense. And they're doing those kind of categorizations for you. And in fact, with you, because a lot of times they're going to have questions because if you go and spend some $482 on PayPal, they're not going to know if that was for cost of goods or maybe it was for a coach that you hired, right? Uh, but they're doing that kind of like tactical record keeping for you. They should be, so the things that you want them to do are things like transaction allocation is what they call it. Monthly bank reconciliations. And a bank reconciliation sounds fancy. It's basically balancing the checkbook. Like back, <laughs> back when our parents, you know, were growing up, they had to balance the checkbook. But that's the kind of work a bookkeeper is typically going to do. Does that make sense, Melissa? Yes, totally. Okay. Before you really hire anybody else, I recommend you start with a bookkeeper, right? Yeah. Because it's those basic things that you need in place to understand revenue, gross profit, net profit, and cash. Okay. Well, and especially for Go like ahead. those people that are super creative where like this idea of like managing the money and knowing the numbers feels really scary to them. Like having a bookkeeper that you trust that, like you said, has a heart of a teacher and can really help you understand the numbers seems like a great starting off point to it feeling is. more empowered with your money. So I love that. hundred, hundred percent. Then we get into accountants. Okay. That's kind of the next level up. Now an accountant is typically somebody that is a CPA and CPA stands for certified public accountant. And those people get certified by various states, right? Normally it's the state that they live in, but you can be a CPA in multiple states. They typically have a master's degree in accounting. And they've gone through a pretty rigorous certification by the state. Like you take the state of Texas, for example, the, the general consensus is it's harder to get a CPA license than to get uh, to become a barred attorney, right? It's, it's a harder program than uh, to, to pass the, the, the bar exam. So normally CPAs are going to have a higher level of education, a higher level of certifications. Now, sometimes you'll find CPAs that are also bookkeepers. Okay, that's where their passion lies. Not all CPAs are bookkeepers and not all bookkeepers are CPAs, but you're typically going to pay more for a bookkeeper that's a CPA because of all of their formalized training and certifications and those kind of things. Now, this is something I want people to keep in mind about accountants or CPAs. Okay. It's a little bit like saying I'm a doctor. Okay. If you have, there's, and what I mean by that is there's various disciplines within the world of accounting. You have auditors and you have tax preparers and all these other things. So make sure when you're looking, if you're looking for an accountant or a CPA, 
that you find someone that has the skill set that you're looking for. Right. You don't go to the ear doctor when your foot hurts. Mm. Right. There's different doctors for each of those. Yes. And I think it's important for people to understand that there are different types of CPAs. Just because you're a CPA, if you spent your entire career in auditing, that's probably not going to be the person that you want to hire for your small, you know, two hundred thousand dollar a year, you know, coaching business. Right. Right. It's a different skill set. So be really intentional about finding someone that has experience that lines up with what you need in your business. OK, so. Uh, so yeah, so accountants and CPAs, a lot of times they do tax preparation work as well as bookkeeping. Okay. So that leads me into the third type of numbers person, which is your tax preparer. Okay. They're the ones that are taking what the bookkeeper reported and they're going to figure out how much you owe in taxes. Okay. Now there's two different types of tax preparation you need to be aware of that you have your business taxes and you have your personal taxes. Until your business gets to probably high seven figures into eight figures, you can probably without any problem have the same person do your business taxes and your personal taxes. Okay. But just like with the CPA, make sure when you're interviewing those people, they've got experience with both. You don't want them get, have, you don't want to be paying their tuition to learn how to do business taxes for the first time ever, right? right? Or personal taxes. So make sure they've got kind of experience doing both. Uh, another pro tip here, Melissa, I recommend for tax preparation, find someone that lives in your area. Mm, so okay. Good. Yeah. I love remote bookkeepers, remote CPAs, remote CFOs. That's all great. But for tax preparation, I like to be able to sit across from somebody once or twice a year and make sure they're getting to know me and getting to know my family and my unique circumstances so they can maximize those deductions. But more importantly than that, or maybe equally importantly, Melissa, is you want someone that knows state tax laws and county tax laws and tax codes and those kind of things. It's hard for someone in Spokane, Washington to be super familiar with the taxes in Atlanta, Georgia, right? Yeah. It's just too much for one person to know. So I recommend somebody that, you know, that you can meet locally, but it's definitely not a requirement. So, all right. So we have bookkeepers, we have accountants and CPAs, we have tax preparers. Then the next thing that you're going to be thinking about is a CFO. When does it make sense to hire a CFO? Typically, once you start getting over around $500,000 in revenue, it could start to make sense to look at a, an outsourced or a fractional CFO. And typically, they can serve you really well up until around the $20 million to $25 million revenue mark. Cool. At that point, you want to start looking to hire somebody full-time as a CFO. And what they're working on, Melissa, if you notice all the things we talked about before with tax preparation and bookkeeping, those are all people that are telling you what happened in the past, right? They're reporting on what kind of that rear view mirror looking stuff. And that stuff's so important, so important. But a lot of times when as, as entrepreneurs, we're, we're growing our business, we wanna do, you know, we've got these bold and courageous and ambitious goals for our business that we wanna hit next month, next quarter, next year. And that's a forward thinking kind of skill set, right? And that's very different than reporting on what happened in the past. Both are really important for your business, but it's a different skill set, similar to earaches and foot aches. So if you get to the point in your business that you're trying to find someone that can help you with those longer term cash flow forecasts and hiring decisions and understanding, you know, what you need to price your services at compared to what your costs are and how can I increase my profit margins, right? Those things that you want to do in the future that's when you start looking at a CFO and a CFO is somebody that's, you know, particularly trained and skilled 
it forward thinking strategy development. Okay. okay. So that's kind of the spectrum of financial services. I guess the other one you asked about that I'll touch on real fast is a coach. Okay. So as a CFO, like, you know, we've been, like I said, working for five years as an outsourced CFO, but I also do coaching. Well, why would I need coaching? Why would I need financial coaching? And I think the important thing about financial coaching is it teaches you how to think about your business finances. You know, you can go hire all the people in the world to be on your team to help you, you know, with all the things from bookkeeping to taxes to strategy. But as the business owner, you're the one that's making the decisions. You're the ones that you're the one that's in the business every day figuring shit out. Right. And I think it's so important that you've got that blend of like the creative piece and the operational piece and the strategic. But you've got to know how to think about how money impacts each of those decisions. And so for that reason, I think coaching can be such an important tool uh, for, for really any stage entrepreneur. Right. Early stage, you want to be thinking about it out of the gate the right way. If you've never learned how to think and you've got a seven figure company, it's an important skill set to help you get to that profitable eight figures. So that's kind of what a coach should be doing is teaching you how to think differently about business money. And I mean, I feel like that's, I just got a 45 minute coaching session from you. So thank you for that. Where do I send? You're so welcome. Where do You're I, so where welcome. do I send the bill? Wow. I can help like, you with that. We could talk for hours. I mean, I have pages and pages of notes. This was so incredibly valuable. Mike, I can't even tell you, like every time I have conversations with you, I'm like, I learned something new and I'm going to do this differently. And I, and it sinks yeah. in a little bit more and I can see why having a coach or, you know, somebody that understands the stuff in your business is so helpful as I reflect back over my journey with financials and whatnot. Like, yeah, I wish that I would have started this type of conversation a lot sooner, but to our point earlier, I think for a lot of people, it's scary, right? Like they don't understand their numbers. There's a lot of shame around it. There's a lot of like personal responsibility that's tied to it. But ultimately, like, like you were saying earlier, until you actually know your numbers, you're not a real entrepreneur. So how can you even create real impact if you don't know the the numbers and the money that, that you're bringing in. So I love this. And for those listening that are like, okay, how do I get more of you in my life? Like, I want you to be my coach. Do you have anything available for people that are like, want to be coached by you or they want to be working with you or they're ready to take their financial acumen to the next level? Sure. Uh, the, the best way to follow along and see what I've got right now is to uh, check out my Instagram. So that's I dot am dot Michael dot King. And I'm sure you'll put that in the show notes, mm -hmm. uh, but follow me on Instagram and, and look at my bio. And that's where you can find out how to contact me and see kind of what we're doing right now. Or you can check out my, my website at K F E that's E not C. So K F E solutions.com. I love it. And you have a program that you're launching. I do. Um, starting March 31st, I'm launching a group coaching program. I've designed it especially for like literally from the ground up coaches, consultants, and course creators. That's the only people I'm letting in the group. It's a 90 day coaching program where I'm going to teach you the fundamentals of business money and exactly what we talked about earlier, Melissa, how to think differently about money so you can make better decisions. And so if you're interested in learning more about that, check out my Instagram page and, and shoot me a text. My number is on there. I'd love to talk to you about your business and just see if this is a good fit for you, if it's something that's gonna serve you well um, in your journey as an entrepreneur. So I, I would it. love to talk to you. So good. All right, guys. So make sure that you go give Mike a follow on Instagram. Gosh, this, this episode was packed with so much freaking value. Like I'm actually excited to kind of dig into my numbers a little bit more and just co-create with them. And I feel... 
I personally feel so much more empowered after this. So I know our listeners are going to feel the same. So thank you so much. And last question. Okay. What are you celebrating right now? What am I celebrating right now? You're like, that is such a weird question. It's today. <laughs> so, so true story. <laughs> this is going to be so weird. I have a client that's in the catering business and they, they let me know today that today is national meatball day. <laughs> so I, I'm going to celebrate national meatball today, day today. So uh, happy March 10th meatball day, everyone. <laughs> I bet that's I the it. weirdest answer you've ever received. You know what? <laughs> Everyone gets to celebrate whatever feels best for them. So let's celebrate that. I love it. All right. Go Meatball Day. <laughs> Mike, thank you so much for being here and sharing your gifts. I'm forever grateful for you. And you guys, if you love this episode, make sure you tag us on social media. Give Mike a follow. And until the next episode, live your boldly courageous life. Bye, guys. Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful for you and this amazing community we are building together. It's truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to step fully into the life they've always dreamed of. I would be so incredibly grateful if you would join me in this mission by sharing this episode with your friends and heading over to iTunes to leave me a five-star review. And until the next episode, remember to live your boldly courageous life. Bye.